Section four of an American Idol. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Mary Schneider. An American Idol: The Life of Carl H. Parker by Cornelia Stratton Parker. Chapter four. On July third, the marvelous son was born, and never was there such a father. Even the trained nurse, hardened to new fathers by years of experience admitted that she never had seen any one take parenthood quite so hard four times in the night he crept in to see if the baby was surely breathing we were in a very quiet neighborhood yet the next day being fourth of july now and then a pop would be heard at each report of a cap pistol a block away carl would dash out and vehemently protest to a group of scornful youngsters that they would wake our son as if a one-day-old baby would seriously consider waking if a giant firecracker went off under his bed. Those were magic days, three of us in the family instead of two, and separations harder than ever. Once in all of the ten and a half years we were married, I saw Carl Parker downright discouraged over his own affairs, and that was the day I met him downtown in Oakland, and he announced that he just could not stand the bond business any longer. He had come to dislike it heartily as a business, and then leaving the boy and me was not worth the whole financial world put together. Since his European experience, meeting the Webbs and their kind, he had had a hankering for university work, but he felt that the money return was so small he simply could not contemplate raising a family on it. But now we were desperate. We longed for a life that would give us the maximum chance to be together cold-bloodedly we decided that university work would give us that opportunity and the long vacations would give us our mountains the work itself made its strong appeal too professor henry morse stevens and professor miller of the university of california had long urged carl to go into teaching and at last we decided that even if it meant living on husks and skimmed milk all our days at least we would be eating what there was to eat together three meals a day every day we cashed in our savings we drew on everything there was to draw on and on february first nineteen o nine the three of us embarked for harvard with fifty six dollars and seventy five cents excess baggage to pay at the depot such young ignoramuses we were that trip east was worth any future hardship we might have reaped our seven-month-old baby was one of the young saints of the world not once in the five days did he peep we'd pin him securely in the lower berth of our compartment for his nap and back we would fly to the corner of the rear platform of the observation car and gloat just gloat over how we had come into the inheritance of all creation we owned the world and i who had never been farther from my california home than seattle who had never seen real snow except that christmas when we spent our four days at the scenic hot springs in the cascades and skied and sledded and spilled around like six-year-olds but stretches and stretches of snow and then just traveling and together and to be in boston we took a room with a bath in the copley square hotel the first evening we arrived nandy carlton jr rolled off the bed so when we went gallivanting about boston shopping for the new home we left him in the bathtub where he could not fall out we padded it well with pillows there was a big window letting in plenty of fresh air 
and we instructed the chambermaid to peep in at him now and then and there we would leave him well nourished and asleep by the time that story had been passed around by enough people in the home town it developed that one day the baby just seven months old remember got up and turned on the water and was found by the chambermaid sinking for the third time something happened to the draft from the home bank which should have reached boston almost at the same time we did we gazed into the family pocketbook one fine morning to find it to all intents and purposes empty hurried meeting of the finance committee by unanimous consent of all present we decided as many other mortal in a strange town has decided on the pawn shop i wonder if my great-grandmother will read this she probably will carl first submitted his gold watch the baby had dropped it once and it had shrunk thereby in the eyes of the pawn-shop man though not in ours the only other valuable we had along with us was my grandmother's wedding present to me which had been my grandfather's wedding present to her a glorious old-fashioned breastpin we were allowed fifty dollars on it which saved the day what will my grandmother say when she knows that her bridal gift resided for some days in a boston pawn-shop we moved out to cambridge in due time and settled at bromley court on the very edge of the yard we thrilled to all of it we drank in every ounce of dignity and tradition the place afforded and our wild western souls exalted we knew no one when we reached boston but our first sunday we were invited to dinner in cambridge by two people who were ever after our cordial faithful friends mr and mrs john graham brooks they made us feel at once that cambridge was not the social icy place it is painted in song and story then i remember the afternoon that i had a week's wash strung on an improvised line back and forth from one end of our apartment to the other just as i hung the last damp garment the bell rang and there stood an immaculate gentleman in a cutaway and silk hat who had come to call an old friend of my mother's he ducked under wet clothes and we set two chairs where we could see each other and yet nothing was dripping down either of our necks and there we conversed and he ended up inviting us both to dinner on marlborough street at that he must have loved my mother very dearly to have sought further acquaintance with folk who hung the family wash in the hall and the living-room and the dining-room his house on marlborough street we boldly and excitedly figured up on the way home that they spent on one meal they fed us more than it cost us to live for two weeks they honestly did then there was the dear jello lady at the market i wish she would somehow happen to read this so as to know that we have never forgotten her every saturday the three of us went to the market and there was the jello lady with her samples the helping she dished for us each time she brought the man to whom she was engaged to call on us just before we left i wonder if they got married and where they are and if she still remembers us she used to say she just waited for saturdays and our coming then there was dear granny jones who kept a boarding-house half a block away i do not remember how we came to know her but some good angel saw to it she used to send around little bowls of luscious dessert and half a pie or some hot muffins then i was always grateful also for it made such a good story and it was true to the new england wife of a fellow graduate student who remarked 
when i told her we had one baby and another on the way how interesting just like the slums we did our work of course and we lived on next to nothing i wonder now how we kept so well that year of course we fed the baby everything we should have according to holt in those days and we ate the mutton left from his broth and the beef after the juice had been squeezed out of it for him and bought storage eggs ourselves and queer butter out of a barrel and were absolutely absolutely blissful perhaps we should have spent more on food and less on baseball i am glad we did not almost every sunday afternoon that first semester we fared forth early nandy in his go-cart to get a seat in the front row of the baseball grandstand i remember one saturday we were late front seats all taken we had to pack baby and go-cart more than halfway up to the top there we barricaded him still in the go-cart in the middle of the aisle along about the seventh inning the game waxed particularly exciting we were beside ourselves with enthusiasm fellow onlookers seemed even more excited they called out things they seemed to be calling in our direction fine parents we were there was nandy go-cart and all bumpity bumping down the grandstand steps i remember again the stadium on the day of the big track meet every time the official announcer would put the megaphone to his mouth to call out winners and time to a hushed and eager throng nandy not a year old would begin to squeal at the top of his lungs for joy nobody could hear a word the official said we were as distressed as anyone we too had pencils poised to jot down records carl studied very hard the first few weeks until we got used to the new wonder of things he used to run home from college whenever he had a spare minute just to be sure that he was that near at that time he was rather preparing to go into transportation as his main economic subject but by the end of the year he knew labor would be his love his first published economic article was a short one that appeared in the quarterly journal of economics for may nineteen ten on the decline of trade union membership we had a tragic summer carl felt that he must take his master's degree but he had no foreign language three terrible wicked unforgivable professors assured him that if he would be in germany six weeks during summer vacation he could get enough german to pass the examination for the a m we believed them and he went though of all the partings we ever had that was the very worst almost at the last he just could not go but we were so sure that it would solve the whole a m problem he went third class on a german steamer since we had money for nothing better the food did distress even his unfinicky soul after a particularly sad offering of salted herring uncooked on a particularly rough day he wrote i find i am not a good hamburger german the latter eat all things in all weather oh the misery of that summer we never talked about it much he went to freiburg to a german cobbler's family but later changed as the cobbler's son looked upon him as a dispensation of providence sent to practice his english upon his heart was breaking and mine was breaking and he was working at german and languages came fearfully hard for him morning noon and night with two lessons a day his only diversion being a daily walk up a hill with a cake of soap and a towel to a secluded waterfall he discovered he wrote a letter in a postcard a day to the babe in me i have just reread all of them and my heart aches afresh for the homesickness that summer meant to both of us 
he got back two days before our wedding anniversary days like those first few after our reunion are not given to many mortals i would say no one had ever tasted such joy the baby gurgled about and was kissed within an inch of his life the jello lady sent around a dessert of sixteen different colors more or less big enough for a family of eight as her welcome home about six weeks later we called our beloved dr j from a banquet he had long looked forward to in order to officiate at the birth of our second known as thomas elizabeth up to october seventeenth but from about ten thirty that night as james stratton parker we named him after my grandfather for the simple reason that we liked the name jim how we chuckled when my father's congratulatory telegram came in which he claimed pleasure at having the boy named after his father but cautioned us never to allow him to be nicknamed i remember the boresome youth who used to call week in and week out always just before a meal and we were so hard up and got so that we resented feeding such an impossible person so many times he dropped in at noon friday the seventeenth for lunch a few days later carl met him on the street and announced rapturously the arrival of the new son the impossible person hemmed and stammered why uh when did it arrive carl all beams replied the very evening and the day you were at our house for lunch we never laid eyes on that man again we were almost four months longer in cambridge but never did he step foot inside our apartment i wish someone could have psychoanalyzed him but it's too late now he died about a year after we left cambridge i always felt that he never got over the shock of having escaped jim's arrival by such a narrow margin and right here i must tell of dr j he was recommended as the best doctor in cambridge but very expensive we may have to economize in everything on earth said carl but we'll never economize on doctors so we had dr j had him for all the minor upsets that families need doctors for had him when jim was born had him through a queer fever nandy developed that lasted some time had him through a bad case of grip i got this was at christmas time and carl took care of both babies did all the cooking even the christmas turkey i was well enough to eat by then got up every two hours for three nights to change an ice pack i had to have that's the kind of man he was had him vaccinate both children and then just before we left cambridge we sat and held his bill afraid to open the envelope at length we gathered our courage and gazed upon charges of sixty-five dollars for everything with a wonderful note which said that if we would be inconvenienced in paying that he would not mind at all if he got nothing such excitement we had expected two hundred dollars at the least we tore out and bought ten cents worth of doughnuts to celebrate when we exclaimed to him over his goodness of course we paid the sixty-five dollars all he said was do you think a doctor is blind and does a man go steerage to europe if he has a lot of money in the bank bless that doctor's heart bless all doctors hearts we went through our married life in the days of our financial slimness with kindness shown us by every doctor we ever had i remember our heidelberg german doctor sent us a bill for a year of a dollar and a half and even in our more prosperous days at carl's last illness with that good seattle doctor calling day and night and caring for me after carl's death he refused to send any bill for anything 
and a little later when i paid a long overdue bill to our blessed oakland doctor for a tonsil operation he sent the check back torn in two bless doctors when we left for harvard we had an idea that perhaps one year of graduate work would be sufficient naturally about two months was enough to show us that one year would get us nowhere could we finance an added year at perhaps wisconsin and then in november professor miller at berkeley called to talk things over with carl anon he remarked more or less casually the thing for you to do is to have a year's study in germany and proceeded to enlarge on that idea we sat dumb and the minute the door was closed after him we flopped what was the man thinking of to suggest a year in germany when we have no money and two babies one not a year and a half and one six weeks old preposterous that was saturday afternoon by monday morning we had decided we would go thereupon we wrote west to finance the plan and got beautifully sat upon for our notions if we needed money we had better give up this whole fool university idea and get a decent man-sized job and then we wrote my father or rather i wrote him without telling carl till after the letter was mailed and bless his heart he replied with a fat god bless you my children registered letter with check enclosed agreeing to my stipulation that it should be a six per cent business affair suppose we could not have raised that money suppose our lives had been minus that german experience bless fathers they may scold and fuss at romance and have good sensible ideas of their own on such matters but bless fathers End of chapter 4